Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that's opposed to wishes because they're genetic engineering, it's Sifpa. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most Saturday mornings are available to download later in your podcast feed, unless of course you're a patron. Patrons get those perks. Woo! I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he's a psychic like the Lady of Galadrim. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. Ahoy! Each week we'll chat about movies, TV, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. She would absolutely invite you to Queer Bowling Night. It's low, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, guys, it is good to see you. Lo, great to have you back on the show. It's great been a hot be second. Um, you know, I didn't want to wait uh, until we got the, the sequel to your favorite Charlie's uh, Theron <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> property. It's happening. It is happening. I've been happening. tweeting about it. I'm sure you've seen. <laughs> uh, They're so filming. We, uh, we, we thought we'd get you on a little bit before that. Um, we are going to talk about the movie Not Okay, which is streaming on Hulu. And we're also going to talk about uh, George Miller's new movie, 3,000 Years of Longing, which is showing in theaters. And uh, do a best ever challenge on best ever wishing films, films that center around wishes. And then, of course, we'll do some uh, buried treasure at the end as well. Um, anything you guys have on your minds that you want to get off your your chest before we begin. Um, there is nothing on my mind I want to get off my chest. <laughs> okay, I mixed my metaphors a little bit. Is there anything on no, your chest that you would like to get off your mind, your mind. Uh, before there we begin? We <laughs> uh, I will say uh, we're kind of we're kind of uh, um, buzzing after having just talked about uh, House of the Dragon on the Sif Pop mm. members only pre-show. It's a really interesting time. We, we mentioned this a couple weeks ago. TV is just kind of throwing all the fantasy at us right now. Lord of the Rings is going to be coming out here soon um, yeah. as well. And so it's it's an interesting time to be reviewing also a fantasy movie uh, you know, about gin and wishes and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, it is back in the public consciousness, and we're going to chat about it. Let's go ahead and get started with a review of 3,000 Years of Longing. My name is Alethea. My story is true. I am a solitary creature by nature. I have no children, no siblings, no parents. I did once have a husband. If there is fate, who can say... But in the Grand Bazaar of Istanbul, I chose a memento. A lonely and bitty, a lonely and bitter British woman <laughs> discovers an ancient bottle while on a trip to Istanbul and unleashes a jinn who offers her three wishes. Filled with apathy, she is unable to come up with one until his stories spark in her a desire 
to be loved. 3,000 Years of Longing, as mentioned, is George Miller's latest film. Uh, it is a fantasy film starring um, Idris Elba uh, in there. And um, what, the name just slipped my my brain. Uh, it's not... No, Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton, thank you. Uh, mm. Tilda Swinton. I wanted to say Kate Blanchett. I'm just back in the Lord of the Rings. Uh, no, <laughs> You Tilda are. Tilda Swinton and uh, Idris Elba in this one. What did you guys think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Lo, you first. Oh, gosh. Um, I loved about three quarters of it, and it was just <laughs> okay. It didn't stick the landing for me. <laughs> so does that end you in, like, the liked it? Like, would you say overall you liked it? <sighs> yeah, probably split the difference in that okay. I liked it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Andrew, what about you? It's funny because I have the exact same feelings as low, like and like three quarters of it, but it didn't stick to landing. It didn't stick to landing enough to where I'm going to say I did not like it. Ooh. Yeah, the landing can do that to you sometimes. Uh, I also have very mixed feelings on this. I'm going to land on the high side of it. It's, it's okay. Um, it's fine. It's fine. I just uh, am a little bit perplexed by the fact that this movie goes where it goes after it starts where it starts <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's just like, wait a second what is this uh so we'll get we'll get into it a little bit um let's get a, a little more in detail what were some of the things you like lo it sounds like you you liked it the most what is uh your favorite what movie of the year yeah your favorite movie of the year so uh, uh, tell us your thoughts <laughs> um i mean i guess i i really enjoy the the sort of homage and love letter to storytelling i think that that's a great and worthy thing to make a movie about. And I think that they do a really good job of that through that first two thirds, first three quarters of the movie. Um, I think that they present two really interesting characters and do some really subtle character work with them. And then just kind of throw that character work out the window for the end. Mm-hmm. In my mm-hmm. opinion, mm-hmm. obviously. No, I, I <laughs> tend to agree with your opinion. Uh, Andrew, some thoughts? Yeah, um, George Miller has always been a visual master. There are some shots in here that are really, you know, like jaw-dropping, but at the same time, there are other shots in this movie that just reek of, you know, rushed CGI. I mean, it's nothing near as the visual masterpiece that Fury Road was, like not, not even close. But he does work with colors in a very fascinating way in this movie, and I can appreciate that. Yeah, I want to jump off that a little bit. I think it was my favorite part of the movie was the visual storytelling. I think this this is a really beautiful movie to look at. Look at. Um, yeah. And I think from start to finish, I think there are some some pretty amazing and, and interesting things uh, to visualize. The storytelling is great, and I think what we're we're feeling here, and if uh, if I'm correct, this was based on a book of short stories, uh, "The Gin and the Nightingale's Eye." And so I think what we're seeing are some of these short stories and then trying to put them all together in this larger context is the part that kind of falters uh, a little bit. But the short stories are interesting and um, full of humanity. Another thing I really, uh, really liked about this is it's in an you can't say this phrase without giggling, but it's it's an adult movie, right? Like it's it's mm-hmm. not a movie meant for you know to tell stories to children. It's a movie meant to tell tell stories to adults, um, and that's not something we get a lot of. You know, we get a lot of the movies where kids will get this part, adults will get this part, we'll sneak it in, you know, that kind of stuff. And this movie's like, no, 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 no. This you know, 
we're telling sensual stories, we're telling interesting stories, we're, you know, we're not worried about uh, dumbing that down. And as such, it is rated R, um, you know, for many of those reasons. Um, but, uh, but I kind of liked that. I, I kind of thought that was, you know, something that gave this movie a leg up a little bit. So, you know, overall, I was, I was really enjoying the storytelling, especially the, you know, the short uh, story parts of the movie. What yeah. are some other thoughts you guys had? Uh, I will say this. I don't mean to throw it into the negatives immediately, just like conversation-wise. <laughs> I think that Tilda Swinton and Eaters Elba have absolutely atrocious chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> this is almost... This is almost... It's interesting. I go back and forth on this. I went back and forth in it, uh, on this during the movie, whether I bought into their chemistry or not. Because the movie sets up the Alethea character as this independent don't need love it's not something that defines me and i'm like yeah cool great love this and then when it tries to turn that knob it tries to turn that dial and i'm like wait a second like (laughs) it's a completely different character now (laughs) correct correct and so i at, at some point was like that's okay too like it's not it's not bad that this person has desire or wants love or whatever. It's just when you compare the the two parts of the movie, you find a real difficulty in figuring out who this person is. And I think what you're supposed to believe is that the the way this person finishes is who they were the whole time, yeah. and that they were that that was just you know hiding within them. But either Tilda does such a good job at acting as the independent woman uh or it's written in that way so well that it's almost it, you almost don't buy it that, it that it was in there the whole time you know what i mean yeah. you, you really buy that that's who she was so yeah it was difficult what did you think of that low yeah i feel like and my gosh tillisman is a phenomenal actress like this is mm-hmm. not to so i feel like it must be in the writing or directing where this went wrong but there is just it's like a switch flipped at that kind of three quarter mark where she was playing one character and then suddenly was playing another, or even that she wasn't playing another character that they just told us she was a different character. Cause I got none of that sort of longing from her. There was no, no yeah. build up in her reactions. She seemed There's- interested in from a scholar's perspective, which is what we're told that she is. We're told right. that she's a scholar of stories and she's interested, but there's none of this like, slowly succumbing to her desire and i kind of feel like that's what they wanted us to believe was happening there's there's like there's a swallow that comes out of nowhere and then everything has changed yep and it's like what um yeah yeah i found that really interesting because the entire movie or after she's introduced to the gin you know the entire movie all the movie is talking about is the ramifications in the moral conundrums of wish fulfillment, you know? And her talking, like, whenever it's not him telling, you know, his stories, it's her trying to read into, you know, the uh, the pitfalls, you know, of, you know, making a wish. And she, the whole movie, she's like, no, I just, I'd, I'd rather not make a wish, you know, because mm-hmm. um, I know that, you know, how do I know that you're a trickster? You know, like she's not trusting of him. She's listening to his stories with great interest, but I don't think there's any trust. And then out of nowhere, there's a swallow. <laughs> uh-huh. And, yeah. and um, it, it felt, it felt very unearned. 
very unearned. And another issue with this movie, man, I've really I don't I didn't hate this movie but it seems like I'm spending way more time talking about negatives than positives right now but another issue with this movie is I think the movie if it does want to focus on this potential romance you know it spent way too much time on the fables and the stories you know like as opposed to the those fables and stories being a a uh, like a guiding you know a guide for the audience, you know, they actually became the movie instead of, you know, like a, uh, a, an aspect of the movie. Yeah. I think that they could have made that work because all of those stories were pretty sexual by nature in one way or another. And I, I think that just keeping it as it was, but making those scenes in the interim, the little interjection scenes being a little bit more on that she's slowly becoming enthralled despite herself type of thing but they didn't really play into that at all so it makes it seem like those scenes in the hotel room are so starkly different from the fables that we're watching yeah it's it's almost like the movie doesn't know if it's you know um the ballad of buster scruggs or if it's you know trying to be it's you know where it's a series of vignettes or if it's actually you know a cohesive story about a protagonist and if tilda swinton is our protagonist then we don't get quite enough development of that character and understanding um and if it's supposed to be just vignettes we don't actually get quite enough of those for it to actually be just a series of vignettes so it 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 kind of tries to serve two masters and um exactly it wishes for for unlimited wishes and that's just you know that's not (laughs) okay the biggest issue with this movie the biggest issue is and i'm going to try and talk around this whenever they two characters really want to connect towards the end of this movie. An obstacle, I guess you could say, is placed in front of them. And for one of for one reason this obstacle makes you go, okay, so you can't stay here. You know, we have if you really wished for love and stuff like that, why wouldn't you go with them? You know, like Also I feel like they forget that it, it was Turkey, right? Where she was in the beginning is like yeah. a first world country. Like it's not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the issue that was happening would be happening where they were yeah. before too. 100%. <laughs> yeah. As we said in our movie a couple weeks ago, 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. The, this is one of those movies, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah. But then I go back to just like, it was kind of a pleasure to watch. Like it was, you know. Yeah. Like the different stories that were told were interesting. We haven't talked about the sense of the humor, sense of humor in this movie, which I think is uh, prevalent. You don't often see this level of pratfall or comedy in a you know a movie that's supposed to be this romantic or sensual or um, whatever. Um, I felt like the the movie was. Um, very naturalistic with its nudity with different things like that like it didn't feel exploitative it just felt like you know i i don't know there were things about this movie where i was like i want more movies like this like this is this is really interesting to me um and doesn't it's not cliche like it there's not a cliche going on here there's not a trope going on here where i'm like oh, i've seen this a million times before 
Um, but then again, the way it ends, it kind of does turn into a trope. And so then I'm like, oh, why, why were we doing this the whole time? I thought this was a like an interesting, different kind of movie than this. Um, so, so yeah, it really is one of those cognitive dissonance movies for me where it's just like, I think I kind of love watching this movie. And also it's, I think it may be a bad movie. I think it's just messy. I just think it's really messy. Yeah. Yeah. Very messy. <laughs> I'm just taking that all that in. I'm like, he's 100% right. Yep. Yeah. I, I yeah. got to say, I was really enthralled with all of the stories that he was telling about his life. Um, yeah. They really, each one, I wasn't like really sad to see the previous one go and was excited to watch the next one each time because they were all very interesting and unique and really informed his character. And yeah, I. so that part of it, I was so into. And it was just that sort of 180 at the end that got me yeah but the movie and it's like i said the movie isn't supposed to be about those stories the movie's supposed to be about these two and if there's something going on between them then you know that's supposed to be the main focus of the movie it's not supposed to be the stories the stories are supposed to be a guide Mm -hmm. and they're not they are the movie so the rest of the movie doesn't make sense yeah, you kind you right. You kind of have to pick a lane. Like it, it can be about the stories if you find a way to make uh, Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton kind of platonic um, partners in storytelling, right? Like where there's this idea where they find each other and they become the piece that's missing, and it doesn't necessarily have to be romantic. Maybe there's some you know question of desire and romance and those kind of things, but it's really more the idea that there's a completion between them, that she's able to tell stories better now because of his understanding of, you know, art and those kind of things. I sort of thought that it was going in the direction of her intellect and her speciality being able to help him out of a conundrum that he had. Yes. Right. That that would have been such a good movie. That isn't what happened. Like, she did end up helping him, but that that isn't how she helped him. She just helped him the way that we knew would help. Well, this is this is the other version of the movie that I think works. Yeah. Like, and you have to pick one of these. You know, this idea that possibly we're in a movie because the movie sets up a lot yeah. of hmm, is is he a trickster? Is he for yeah. real? Does he really care about the people that you know he's giving wishes to, or is he trying to trick her into making wishes so that he can, you know, do his thing? And and so is he a trickster god or is he not? And like the movie just all of a sudden becomes uninterested in that tension like that tension completely disappears so the other movie is where you actually pay off that tension where you actually have a moment where maybe he was trying to trick her but her intellect was Mm. able to not only avoid the trick but also change him and his ability to interact with who he is like where she becomes like you say the catalyst to something different for him the movie is just uninterested in playing either of those scenarios to their completion um, in a satisfying way. And it just, yeah, it just, it's just so unsatisfying at the end. You know what I wanted? I wanted my dinner with Andre, but Andre was a genie. (laughs) You know, it's just two people talking back and forth. And yeah, you can still have the flashbacks, but mainly there's no romantic, you know, connection between the two. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a battle of theological and philosophical ideologies to like the ramifications of wishes and dreams and stuff like that. That is the movie I wanted. 
I've often said that you can many times tell a mo- what a movie is trying to say by where it leaves you. What is the final scene? What is the you know, what are the final moments? And in a movie like this, it's really disappointing because it means that what this movie was about is kind of the same thing that every romance movie for the hit you know in the history of time has been about. And this kind of gendered stereotype of women just want to be swept off their feet. Like, that's what this movie is about, right? Like, you know, a big strong man to come sweep a woman off her feet. Oh, yeah, she's pretending to be all independent, and, and but what she really wants is a man to sweep her off her... Like, is that... Like, let me ask you this. Do you feel like this movie is saying that by the way it, by the way it ends? I... Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Isn't that, isn't that disappointing? Yeah. Isn't that supremely why, disappointing? Why go through all the trouble of making such a fresh, unique environment whenever you're just going to s- tell the same old troped up story? Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. do you think of the sort of, I think, set up and then kind of ignored um, option that this is all in her head and that she's yeah, an unreliable this, this, narrator? This is another thing. that, yeah. that And again, it kind of plays to the fact that this movie just isn't interested in paying off its setups which is you don't have to pay off every setup but at least pay off one or two of them yeah um you know because yeah we're we're dealing with when this movie starts we're dealing with strange things and is she really seeing these things or um and then it just again drops that completely and we're just like no this is real this is real it's funny because you know uh, she has a method that she uses, you know, like counting to know what's, you know, real and what's not. Here's the issue. We've never seen that work. <laughs> so <laughs> we don't know if it's a viable method that she's using to yeah. tell whether something's real or not because we've never yeah. seen it work. Yep. Uh, let's move into one last, one final thing. I think we've we've talked our way through this mess of a movie. Um, you know, I, I still think it's it's one of those movies that's, you know, it's fine, but what do you have? What's what's your one last thing? Any final words you want to say about George Miller's 3,000 Years of Longing? I wished for no post-credit scene, and I was granted my wish. <laughs> Congratulations. Hello? Um, I am not sad that I watched it. I'm not disappointed that I watched it, but I don't think I'll ever watch it again. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I think it's a slight recommend for me just for the visuals, if nothing else. Um, if you have like a movie subscription, mm. see it in a theater. Um, I think it's worth it on the big screen. Uh, there's some really gorgeous visuals. Um, my one last thing is probably that this this title makes no sense to me um, because three thousand years of longing would have to be about the genie, and, right. and he would have had to have prior knowledge of her. And, yes, so I'm very confused by this title. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's move yeah. on, shall we? 3,000 3, years of randiness. <laughs> yes, something like that. Is that what it is? Uh, all right, let's move on to our next review. Let's talk a little bit about Not Okay. Have you ever wanted to be noticed so badly? Hi, Mom. You want to hang out tonight? Oh. You didn't even care what it was for. Colin. Oh, shit. What up, honey? Danny, from work. Danny. Yo, Colin. I love your videos, man. Thanks, B. So what are you? I'm a writer. I'm looking to develop my work by traveling. Going to Paris for it. 
An ambitious young woman desperate for followers in fame fakes a trip to Paris to up her social media presence. When a terrifying incident takes place in the real world and becomes part of her imaginary trip, her white lie becomes a moral quandary that offers her all the attention she's wanted. It's not a moral quandary. There's no quandary about this. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about not okay. Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Uh, let's start with you, Andrew. What do you got? Hated it. Hated it. Big old hated it from really? Andrew. Um, I ain't going first this week, I'll tell you that. This will be interesting. <laughs> I'm going with liked it. I liked this movie. Uh, kind of dead center of uh, liked it. Lo, what do you got? I loved it. <laughs> All right, let's go. Yeah. Uh, Lo, you get to kick us off again. Tell us uh, about your love for Not Okay. Well, I think part of it is that I'm a big musical theater fan, and this did everything right that Dear Evan Hansen did wrong. Great point. Um, no, it doesn't. In talking about, <laughs> in talking about like actual ramifications of something like this happening. And I think that it does a really good job of showing this sort of unrealistic world that um, the main character lives in, crashing into a very realistic world that Rowan's character is living in, mm -hmm. and showing that sort of cognitive dissonance between your online persona and what the actual world is going through and what's happening and yeah i mm -hmm. super loved it <laughs> yeah i'm with you i uh one of my favorite things about this movie is uh how it's it's almost satire but it's but it's not it, like when you start to really put your feet down in this world you can see how something like this might actually happen and it does eventually treat its protagonist with the respect of an authentic character and not just a satirical um, stereotype. Uh, and I really, really liked that. I think the the performances are really good. Uh, Zoe Deutsch is amazing as Danny Sanders. Mia Isaac, That's I think, mm -hmm. deserves one pro of the movie. attention. Amazing. One pro of this movie is she is one of my favorite performances of the year. Yeah, I, Mia Isaac is incredible in this movie, um, and I think brings the movie up, uh, you know, quite a bit. So, so I think yeah, when you've got those performances, the movie is definitely. Uh, you know, saying something about our current culture and the appeal of being famous at all costs, all of that stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, I really, really dug it. All right, Andrew, Andrew did you have tell us why we're wrong. <laughs> yeah, Andrew, did you have any other positives other than Mia Isaac, or do you just want to head into some of your negatives? No, we can keep going with your guys' positives, and then we'll just get around to my giant rant. At the end. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's your turn to talk. Danny, our main character, is a psychopath. Mm -hmm. Pure psychopath. I think you brought up Dear Evan Hansen. I think this movie is less Dear Evan Hansen and more I Care A Lot, which was the, uh, mm -hmm. what's her name? name? Uh, Rosamund Pike, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think this is more like, you hate this character from minute one and you hate them all the way till the very end. You're supposed to. I'm. I'm not saying that. I'm. I'm. I'm fr that's a fresh take it's, for Andrew. No, no, no. It's really interesting. <laughs> the movie starts with. Uh, did you see the warning on this yeah. movie at the beginning, where it's like, beware there. You know, there's flashing strobe lights. 
triggering situation, I forget what it mentioned, and an unlikable female protagonist. That was one of the warnings at the beginning was that the female protagonist was unlikable. I thought that was hilarious. Um, Okay, so is this movie satirical or is it, you know, is it supposed to be like a... uh, uh, a look at you know what could possibly happen whenever you let your your desire for fame and notoriety get ahead of you because the the difference between this and Dear Evan Hansen is there were moments in Dear Evan Hansen where he wasn't making the choice to benefit himself totally like in Dear Evan Hansen I felt like the first time he went over to the parents' house and he was, he did plan on, you know, saying like, no, we weren't really friends, you know, it's just all big, big mis- misunderstanding. But he told that lie in the beginning, initially, I think, because he wanted to, uh, you know, not paint their son as somebody who didn't have any friends. Here, every single uh, decision that Danny makes is cringingly, cringeworthy and like, totally tone deaf and just evil a lot of these decisions are evil when an evil person maybe this is how aaron felt whenever he watched joker you know like (laughs) watching a character and you're like i'm not supposed to like this person why am i liking this person why why do you why is this the protagonist she's not the protagonist she is the antagonist this is this is there will be blood except you know that was a good movie uh where you follow the (laughs) villain around the entire time yeah, I think uh, to answer your initial question about whether or not this is satire or trying to live in an authentic world, and I address this a little bit. I think the movie um, wants to have it both ways and also manages to have it both ways. And here's how I think it does it. I think what it manages to do is when it feels like satire, it's because our main character is not connected to the real world. Because Danny is so disconnected from what reality actually is, she is living in the false reality of social media, right? And because of that, that's able to be a little more satirical because our main character isn't in the real world. I think what's amazing about this movie is it tries to portray what an awakening looks like from coming from the fantasy world of social media to the actual real world. And the character of Mia Isaac is is kind of the catalyst for uh, the Rowan character, I should say, is kind of the catalyst for that transition. And you do see Danny start to make a transition from going, oh, wait, there are actual authentic emotions in this world. There are actual authentic people in this world. Um, And because of that, I think what's amazing for me is that this movie allows us to see the transition of uh, you say psychopathic, I think that's a little hyperbole. I, I you know, no. I, I think I think she's delusional. I I think she's just delusional. She's stuck in her own fantasy world. I don't I don't think she's disconnected from the ability to understand emotion or understand. Um, but because nothing is real to her, because she is delusion, she makes choices because it's just like making a choice in a video game or just like making a choice in you know. Um, you know, a book or whatever. It's not, there is no real world. Um, It's all just this fantasy social media kind of thing. And I think what we're able to see or what the movie does so expertly is, is that awakening of her ability to then go, oh, wait, people do have real trauma. People do have real lives. And the trick the movie does, it is allows her to grow 
without redeeming her, which is really interesting. Which is so, the big problem that I've always had, and a lot of people, I'm not alone here, mm-hmm. have had with Darabin mm-hmm. Hansen, is that you take this, oh, poor poor little white boy who made mm-hmm. a mistake and he doesn't get in any trouble, and even the girl that he lied to the entire time um, about her own brother is like, I forgive you. <clears throat> I like that Rowan does not forgive Danny. I like that Danny is still sitting with that emotion as mm-hmm. the credits roll. That she's like, okay, I I don't deserve her forgiveness. I don't deserve closure. I did something awful and I need to move forward with that. And I think in this day and age where we're always talking about cancel culture and all this sort of stuff, that it's honestly an admirable thing to show somebody who has effed up that much to say, you know what? I don't need to make this about me. I don't need to atone or explain or do anything. I just need to like not be a part of this anymore and exist in my consequences. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was, it was a really interesting way to, to progress that. So to to answer that question, Andrew, I do think it is both, but only because the character allows it to be both by their progression. Um, So, yeah. You say progression and awakening, but that progression and awakening comes with, Literally, because I looked, twelve minutes left in the movie. So yeah, I'm not, we are I'm not s- sure. The first, no. my my first my first part of it is. I mean, I think it starts when Rowan is introduced. There's subtle things that happen from the second Rowan is. Oh introduced. yeah, I mean, it was like the time when she finds <laughs> out about her sister, um, the time when she finds out that her mom was also there. I think honestly, from the first time that she's at that group, there's a couple of mm-hmm. moments where she's like, oh. Yeah, these people are talking about something real, like real trauma. Yeah. Honestly, whenever I saw those parts, I saw a character going, oh, that's sad. That is a sad moment. Not, oh, I am being awoken to how, you know, my actions could potentially, you know, affect somebody else. It's more along the lines of, that's a sad story. I will be sad. And... That's why I think this is psychotic. This is a psychotic person because she's having those thoughts of, oh, this is sad, so I should act sad. Because in the next scene, she is back to, you know, perpetuating and, you know, expanding this lie to do nothing but further her own notoriety and fame. Mm -hmm. You know, she's not saying that whenever we're talking about, like you said, the sister, she's not saying, oh, this is now real for me. I never once got the the um, the notion from this character of, oh, this is real. It's it only became bad for her whenever she got caught. This is a character who is sad that they were no longer at the top of the world. I didn't buy for a second that at the end she was going to uh, to make amends or you know look for. Uh, empathy or you know forgiveness or anything like that. I never once got th- bought that. The tr- the movie may have tried to make me think it, but I didn't buy it not for a second. I don't think that. I, I think the movie does the opposite of that. I think the, the literal last segment. By the way, this is another thing I wanted to mention. I, like all the movies now have interstitial titles. 
Like it's like it, there are so many movies now that have like chapter breaks. Mm. It's like this. It's yeah. like both this. of the ones we reviewed today. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so interesting to me. But even that last the the last chapter, I think, is something uh, along the title of the part where I don't get redeemed or something yeah. like that. I think the movie is very clear that it's not trying to make us feel like this person has been redeemed. It does want us to feel like this person may have changed, but that doesn't mean that that anything is absolved or anything is okay. No, I'm not saying that there should be absolution in this movie, but I am saying that I uh, I don't think this character is looking for redemption either. It's too big of a tangent for me to go on to because we got way more of a show to do. So I'm just going to stick with my I hate this movie. Yeah, Fair. No, I get it. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody has their own reaction. Lo, did you have anything else you wanted to, to talk about with this one? Uh... No, not talk about Dylan O'Brien a little bit. Oh, stop. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Listen, just because he's one of my favorite actors doesn't mean that that was why I loved this movie. In fact, watching this movie the first time, I was like, oh, no, him being this character is going to be no Dylan. Stop, Dylan. Yeah. Um, He's good in the role. And I think that the role is an interesting side character when we're talking about um, uh, social media and sort of the dangers of losing yourself to that persona he, he's also part of her awakening oh yeah Th- there is there's a there's a sex scene in this movie that is i think one of the key transitions to this character coming uh coming out of delusion oh yeah um, watching him just be a complete jerk through and through mm-hmm. even when they aren't doing social media stuff and when it really really matters and that he mm-hmm. could not give less of a heck that mm-hmm. she's having something extremely traumatic happening mm-hmm that's yeah that's definitely a moment for her for sure and i also like the moment where he breaks i mean it's it's played for laughs and it's a funny moment where he's like come on man like (laughs) when Mm -hmm. the person pushes back on his like accent um but that's just showing you that even this comedic side character is uh totally a front you know Mm -hmm. doesn't believe their own bs um i found the this is one of my negatives i found the uh avenue of the reveal of the exposure to be a little bit on the nose um and i wish that could have been handled a little more i don't know just a little a little less tropey uh it just felt like every other like you knew it was coming you knew exactly you know what was going to happen and i just wish it had been a little more um key to the to the story to her story uh in some way i kept wondering how she was going to get found out. I assumed it might be because uh, the the truth of the way most people get found out when they're in a lie is they offer too many, you know, uh, yeah. details publicly. And then once it went public and she had said, oh, I saw the guy. Like, I thought that's how she was going to get found out is the police were going to come to her and go, hey, if you saw this guy, we need to ask you some questions. Like, you know, and... Yeah. And it that was, just never... she did reveal herself by revealing too many details, but it was on the micro scale of just right. to one person as opposed to, Correct. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it was, and that person was prying too. Uh, it yeah. wasn't like her, That's true. her, you know, her offering um, unasked for. So yeah, so that was one of my negatives was I, I did feel the, the, the actual exposure was a little bit uh, on the nose and quick it just it just was like you know there and gone in a second it was it was more of a plot point than uh effective uh story uh telling so so yeah 
Um, this is neither here nor there, but it makes me laugh. I'm looking at the cast list and the actor that played the character Kelvin, who repeatedly called himself Kelvin and was like, my name's not Kevin, it's Kelvin, is listed mm-hmm. as Kevin. I think that's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. Uh, it, and it was one of my favorite laugh lines, too, when, uh, he, when, he, when he started to question whether his name was Kelvin or Kevin, <laughs> because she was like, no, it's Kevin. I'm pretty sure it's Kevin. Um, that just, that made me laugh quite a bit. Uh, I kind of like that character, actually. I thought that was funny. Um, so there you go. Well, you know who that is, don't you? Uh, no. That's Dopender from the Deadpool movies. Oh, it is! Cab driver. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Karan, I think his last name is Sony or Sony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Uh, any final thoughts? One last thing on Not Okay. No post-credit scene. That was my second wish. <laughs> <laughs> Lo, you got anything? Um, I love a red beret moment. Slay, <laughs> you gotta get queen. The red beret yes. <laughs> Uh, mm, I guess my one last thing when the title on this movie came up uh, it was not okay and then they added the AY after like they were all either they added them consecutively or they were all different colors I know they were all different colors it was red white and blue it was red white and blue but I I also thought for some reason it it would like it like faded in not and then okay the letters and then the AY after that I could be wrong either way my brain right Either way, my brain went not okay, a, uh, and so now I, and I keep calling. I keep thinking this movie is not okay. Not okay. A. That's the alternate universe version where she goes to Canada. Yeah, the Canadian version. <laughs> yes, that's right. It's not okay, a. Uh, there you go. There's your thoughts on not okay. Um, I would say a recommend from Lo and I, especially if you just got Hulu. Just throw that throw that on and uh, and see what you think. Andrew would say no. Stay away. Not worth your time. Probably not unless you love psychopaths. Um, <laughs> yeah. In that case, uh, give it a watch. Uh, all right. Before we head on to our best ever challenge, do want to thank our amazing Sif Pop members. We mentioned we do a pre-show for our members where we talk about other stuff just for you. Um, and this week we talked about House of the Dragon and Game of Thrones. We kind of chatted about uh, our excitement for a new Game of Thrones series, how we felt about the premiere. If you're interested in being a Sif Pop member, Go to patreon.com slash sifpop. So all you got to do is look at the different options there and see what you want to do to help out. It means the world to us. It's mind-blowing and humbling that anybody would uh, throw a couple bucks our way every month to keep this thing going. And we thank you for doing that. Really can't do it without you. So appreciate it. That's patreon.com slash sifpop. S-I-F-T-P-O-P. And uh, thanks again to all those who support uh, all right, on to the best ever challenge. We're going to do best ever wishing films. You could probably play around with this one a little bit. I don't think we're going to be uh, too crazy strict about this. But um, let's go number five to number one. If you have it higher uh, than somebody who mentions it, you can Trump! Trump and uh, we'll, we'll uh, wait to talk about it until the person who has it the highest on their list. Um Let's start with Andrew this week. Me? Uh, yeah, what do you got at number five? I'm going to go with big Tom oh, Hanks. Nice. That was in my honorable mention. Same. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's a fun movie, you know? It's the... Uh, it, there are parts of it that didn't age well, you know? <laughs> but at the same time, there are... It's just an endearing movie, you know, of mm-hmm. trying to, you know... 
I know the movie is about a kid who becomes an adult, but it also makes me wonder, like, as an adult now, should I, you know, try and, you know, look at life like a kid does sometimes and just see the beauty in in all in the everyday all around me? So mm-hmm. it's a fun movie. Very funny. Big's a great choice. Um, really fun movie. Tom Hanks, man. Mm-hmm. What a dude. What a dude. Yeah. Uh, Lou, why don't you go next? This what is, is your the number one five? that I felt was a bit of a stretch. I put "It's a Wonderful Life," um, just no, because. But I'm going to trump. Oh, you, okay. So, just because I don't yeah. think that oh, he's snap. actually wishing. So I was like, I don't know if it fits, but yeah. I think it's pretty right. much a wish and a fulfilled wish. <laughs> yeah. At that. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I would definitely Eric. trump that one. Okay. My number five is Bruce Almighty. Trump. All right, Ooh. Andrew Trump in that. So Andrew, we're back to you in your number four. Bruce Almighty. <laughs> uh, talk on it. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. Whenever I first heard about this movie coming out, I was, you know, hesitant. I'm like, is this going to be a high budget, you know, uh, church movie? But no, it's not. It's, it's, yeah, it does deal with faith and stuff like that, but it also deals with the moral conundrums of having absolute power and just because you think you know what you're doing i think the biggest thing that comes to mind is how uh reply yes to all on wishes you know Mm -hmm. and you know you can't do that you know there's there's a reason for everything so yeah and of course you have jim carrey being absolutely iconic and morgan freeman playing the role he was born to play (laughs) yes the creator of the universe yes uh yeah what about you i had it in number five i almost didn't put it on my list because i did have this kind of intellectual conversation about our prayers wishes Mm. and there's this interesting thing because in in modern uh christianity they are almost treated as such uh as you know the idea of prayer is God, here are the things I wish would happen. And, you know, then God gets to respond to that however God responds to that. This is not the idea of prayer you get, like, when you look at scriptures or different things like that. The idea of prayer is more just communication with an ultimate being. Um, but it has morphed into the idea of wishes. So I was having this intellectual conversation, and then I got to the place where I often get in these conversations, which is, just put the movie on your list. <laughs> it's fine. Everything's going to be okay, Aaron. Everything's going to be fine. Uh, I love Bruce Almighty. I think it is uh, a really nuanced look, actually, at the idea of a omniscient creator and how they would handle the fact that everybody wants something different and this idea of knowing all the ins and outs of how every consequence, every domino falls, like... That is, I mean, it's mind-bending because we can't comprehend it. And I think that is part of the point of the movie is go ahead, try to comprehend this. Try to comprehend what it means to actually have everybody's life in your hands. And I think overall, even if you're not connected to the faith aspect of it, to the religious aspect of it, you get to ask those questions of and start to see your own life as a part of something as opposed to the only thing, right? Like the idea that my life does have terrible moments. My life does have trauma and that is not okay and that is terrible and nothing makes that okay and nothing makes that good. However, it is part of this bigger tapestry that tells a bigger story and because of that, I can process it a little bit differently. Um, that is a tricky concept to to wade into 
Um, but this movie, I think, does it surprisingly well, and it uses humor to diffuse a lot of that, right? It uses, you know, humor to have us ask those questions. And Jim Carrey is amazing in it. He's just, he's, you know, prime Jim Carrey during this era and yeah. doing amazing work. So, yeah, I love Bruce Almighty. Um, all right. So I think that means, Lo, we're on to your number four. Yeah, is that correct? I have what Labyrinth. Great mm, choice. Also barely missed mentions. my list. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's just such a... I mean, it's pretty classic in the sense that it literally starts with, like, I wish and mm -hmm. getting the consequences of that wish. And it's also just a great fantasy movie, classic 80s fantasy through and through. Um, you know, who, who can ever forget the first time they saw those tight pants? It's a movie that sticks with you. <laughs> yep. It does. It does. <laughs> uh, uh, Labyrinth is great. Oh, yeah. I had it in my honorable mentions. Um Again, you know, it's 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 wild. There was a real fantasy moment around that time too, where there was Willow and Labyrinth and you know all this stuff, and and then it just kind of went away for a couple decades for the most part, and kind of well, transitioned so, into sci-fi. Like sci-fi kind of took the place of some fantasy. Yeah. And, well, Jim Henson, you know, mm, he mm -hmm. everything he did was fantastic. Oh, Dark so. Crystal. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Like you can you can say Star Wars is fantasy, right? Like it is sci-fi, but it's but it plays in a lot of the same playgrounds as you know fantasy storytelling does. Yeah. Um, and so. Jim Hansen. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, all right, on to your, your number four. my number four. My number four is Mary Poppins. Oh. Um, Which one? The oh. the original, the OG Mary Poppins. Uh, maybe stretching it a little bit, but I think this is a wish. I think they make a wish for you know the perfect um, nanny. Uh, the perfect nanny and uh and she is delivered um despite the the worst english accent of all time existing in this movie i still think i dick don't dyke, know what you're talking about <laughs> i think dick van dyke dyke is incredible um i i am a huge fan him and uh, julie andrews in this are just amazing oh he's so charismatic Kids the kids are great. Uh, the movie's a little longer than it probably needs to be. It gets a little stretchy there at the end, but it's it's all interesting and all fun in some of the 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 most singable songs ever in a movie. So yeah, I love I love Mary Mary Poppins. Uh, Mary very, Poppins. Very very much. So that's my number four. All right, on to our number threes. Andrew, yeah. what do you got? Uh, might get trumped. Liar, liar. I have it at number three as well, so let's okay. just uh, let's just talk about it now. Yay! <laughs> you know we've had this movie on our list like two weeks in a row somehow. Hey, listen, it's yeah. it's amazing. Liar, liar yeah. is great. It is uh, primo Jim Carrey toe on the line between comedy and an actual drama to mm -hmm. dramedy. So yeah, it's great. Yeah, this pen is royal blue is one of the greatest moments in cinema Ree! history. Um, he's <laughs> this just pen he is, is <laughs> he's so good in that scene. Uh, I've said it many times before. I'll just say it again here. This is the movie where I realized Jim Carrey w was a capital A actor, and I know yeah. for many it came later. For me, this was where I first saw. Oh, he's more than a stretchy face. He's actually doing some interesting emotional stuff with this child. Uh, with this idea, um, and uh, yeah, I was I was really impressed with Liar Liar. So yeah, it's on my list as well. And this movie has one of the simplest yet funniest. Maybe it's just the delivery lines in any movie ever. Your client needs your uh, uh, advice. Stop breaking the law, a hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. There's so many scenes in this that are just classic Jim Carrey's. The the scene where he gets pulled over is oh. so good. Like Be it's gentle. just there are so many scenes in this that I could just watch yeah. over and over and over again. When he beats himself up in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. That's very Tyler Durden-ish of him. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, well, Lo, that means we need your number three. Yeah. I mean, yes. I mentioned earlier I'm a massive musical theater fan. Labyrinth is a musical, kind of. Uh, number three for me is Rodgers and Hammerstein specifically. Cinderella, 1997, the Brandy, mm. Whitney Houston version. Yeah. It's a movie from my childhood. It's, uh, I think that, in the sense, Cinderella is always a wish fulfillment movie, but this one specifically talks a lot about wishes and what it means to wish, and I love that it doesn't vilify wishing, which I think a lot of movies can do, in that it's very much like, no, wishing is great, that's what starts you on your path, and I think that that's really beautiful in a very Disney way. (laughs) It is, and you're absolutely right. So much, and we saw this in uh, Three Thousand Years of Longing, uh, at least the the first three quarters of it. Uh, <laughs> there was there was a line of you know all stories about wishing are about the dangers of wishing, are about be careful what you wish for, are about you know that that turn uh, that happens. And so you're right. There's something nice about no wishing's okay. It's okay to want something more. It's okay to you know, think something would be amazing. Um, you know, finding that balance of what it means to want something versus what it means to be content is part of just being human and something we all have to to grow into. But contentment doesn't mean you stop thinking there's better things or stop thinking there's mm-hmm. something more that you want. Contentment just means you're okay. I'm okay where I'm at and here's where I wanna be. Um, those two things can't exist together. Uh, and so that's that's a that's a really good point about Cinderella. So yeah, nice. Uh, all right, on to our number twos. Andrew, what do you got? Number two, I'm gonna go with The Wizard of Oz. Interesting. I didn't even think about The Wizard of Oz as a wishing I mean, movie. Somewhere over the rainbow. Well, that's yeah, one big I want yeah. song. <laughs> well, I, I was going with that obviously, and then you know the desires. It can be construed as wishes. You know, the brain, the heart, the courage but i think Mm. at the very end she actually does wish with glinda the good wish like make your wish tap your uh, heels and then say Mm. there's no place like home i think that is pretty close to a wish yeah yeah Yeah, it's a it's 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 an iconic uh classic it's one of the most famous movies of all time uh yeah it's it's vibrant it's beautiful it's it's capable of giving kids nightmares about flying monkeys. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's a it's it's a movie we actually don't have that often for some reason on our best ever challenge lists. No, it's great. Um, it's also one of those movies that is kind of a one of one, meaning like this movie does something that could never really be done in the same way again mm-hmm. um, in the way that it uses <clears throat> color and. To experience this movie for the first time, not knowing that, um, must have been really, really interesting. Yeah. And just, you know, now somebody could watch this movie and almost not even notice Mm. that it goes from black and white to color. We're just, you know, we've seen many movies kind of transition between black and white and color, use color in different ways. You think of Schindler's List being in black and white, but using, you know, splotches of color. Yeah. But for this movie and for those audiences in the 30s or what, I was looking at this 39, um, something like that i wonder if it's and this is going to sound like a weird comparison so please forgive me 
But I wonder if it's anything like, you know, the first time we saw Avatar in theaters like with 3D, you know, like, you know, that that change of like a new era in film. And, and I know there had been colored films before Wizard of Oz, but I think that the dynamic in it just there was a focal point of of the color. Yeah, I think I think we have. We certainly have touchstones. Gravity was a big one too. Uh, 3D yeah. IMAX of Gravity was was a big moment for me, and just going, oh, this is how you can storytell with this technology. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna have a heart attack. <laughs> this is so anxiety inducing. Uh, but yeah, but there are just some of those movies where I think Psycho is one of those two where mm. you know it's you just can't imagine what it would have been like to actually see Psycho when it came out. And to go in thinking Marion Davies was, you know, a superstar and I can't wait to see what happens to her. And then 20 minutes later, she's dead. You know, like it's just like those kind of moments are really interesting to me where you just you can't really recapture them. Um, This is neither here nor um, there, but I just read The Wizard of Oz. um, And that is actually something in the book that it's black and white in Kansas. Like they talk about how everything's gray and black and white. Hmm. And I was like, this is weird. I can't believe this is in here. <laughs> like, yeah. a movie written yeah. in, like, the late 1800s, or a book written in the 1800s is, like, talking about just, just because, color and stuff. Just because I know yeah. uh, people will correct me. Uh, Janet, Lay, uh, Janet Lee played Marion Crane. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I said the absolute wrong name there, so I will correct correct myself there. Save you an email. Um, but, <laughs> Wait, uh, you messed but, up yeah. on a Hitchcock movie? <laughs> 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 I did. I did. Uh, all right, so I think that means Lowe's number two. Low, we're on. Did we to your skip number your number two. three, Aaron, or am I? No, it was liar, mention? liar. Oh, we both had liar, liar. Okay, number three. I was like, what? Yeah. Okay, no. number two for me. Another musical and also another Disney movie. I went with Aladdin, the mm-hmm. animated version. Even though I would gladly. Ooh. Oh, looky there! I think Yay. we know Andrew's number one. Womp womp. Uh, uh, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I guess that means uh, my number yeah. two, which was uh, trumped from low earlier. I have It's a Wonderful Life at number two. Um, you had it at number five. five? Yeah. 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 Um, we watch this movie every year, Same. and uh, it is a joy to watch every year. I never get tired of Jimmy Stewart's performance. I never get tired of the little intricacies of this movie, the little nuances. I think all the performances are really good. Blows my mind that this movie wasn't a hit when it came out, that it took years for people to attach to this movie. It's it's so good. It's so uh, joyful. And it speaks to something so real, this idea, again, of how our story is part of a tapestry and that we don't necessarily understand the impact that we have on other people. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a great one. So yeah, I love It's a Wonderful Life. Lo, oh, any other gosh, thoughts? can't agree more. I think it's just a phenomenal movie. I think I have personally brought this to the Best Ever Challenge three or four times at this point. And it's not like mm-hmm. I'm on this show all the time. I, uh, I really, really love It's a Wonderful Life and I'll find any way to squeak it in. <laughs> yep. I'll watch it one day. <laughs> have you really never seen it? Andrew's <gasps> list of nope. shame. What? <laughs> Sorry, just to really drive home. <laughs> What's amazing with a movie like this, though, when it's on your list of shame, is you've probably seen eighty percent of it. That's you know what true. I mean? Like it's it's in culture. You get enough. the zeitgeist references and everything. I'm not gonna lie, I'm pretty close to a zero frame pledge on this movie. Oh, you don't wow. know anything about this movie. Not one bit. You gotta watch it. I mean, like, well, I know. Watch but... it. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Like, you said Jimmy Stewart, and I'm like, oh, I thought it was Cary Grant that was in that movie. So. <laughs> wow. I just let you know how much I don't know. Hey, Christmas is right around the corner. I'm sure I'll get to it in a couple years. That's right. <laughs> it's all good. Come over Christmas Eve and watch it with the family. Uh, we'll have a good time. Oh, that's maybe that's the thing, because I think every family has, like, their designated Christmas movies that they watch whenever, you know, mm-hmm. the holidays comes around. Mine is Muppet Christmas Carol. Me too! And... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the best. It's the absolute it's best. The Michael Caine's the best Scrooge. It is the best adaptation of Christmas Carol, and you can't change my mind. <laughs> you, oh, I can't because you're you're not wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't. You're right. Um, but yeah, I'll get to it eventually. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> we will ignore some of uh, the chat who is yeah. telling you not to bother. Come on. How dare what? you, Lolly? How dare you? Do you think that there's... Okay, let's let's dissect that just a little bit while we're still talking about it. Do you think that there is a kind of, you know, tradition element to it that makes you think that it's, it really is that good of a movie? Or do oh, you genuinely... Of course. Of course. It, or do you genuinely think that there's something there? Both. Yeah. Both are true. I think that it yeah. is a phenomenal movie and you can watch it for the first time and get a lot out of it. It's spectacularly written and acted. And yeah, I mean, like, absolutely, I have nostalgia for it and I'll own that, but it is a good movie. And I don't think anyone yeah. would argue differently. I don't, no. I mean, there's somebody out there, but I just, like, the majority of people are going to say, yeah, it's not just coasting on nostalgia. Jimmy Stewart's performance alone it makes this a, a phenomenal movie. You mean Cary so Grant? Good. Yeah, I mean Cary Grant. Sorry <laughs> okay. about that. I get that yeah. mixed up sometimes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's move on to our number ones. Andrew, you kick us off. Uh, With, we know what it is. Yes, it's going to be Al Adin. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is, you know, this was my childhood growing up, you know. Uh, I genuinely believe that there is an argument to be made that Robin Williams' portrayal as the genie is the greatest character ever put on film. There's also an argument to be made that it completely changed the way animated films were cast. Mm. Because it was a lot of voice actors before then, and it was a lot of famous people after then. And that is kind of an unfortunate consequence because it wasn't because he was famous it was because he nailed the character and those are you know two different things if Um, i I think i'm correct in remembering this that the directors actually like wrote the character for him and yeah picked him they were like we we need robin williams specifically yeah man i can't even imagine the cultural impact that that character has had you know, mm-hmm. like if they hadn't have cast Robin Williams, what <laughs> so much of the world would be different. And I, that may sound hyperbolic, but you know, with a butterfly effect like that, lot yeah. of change, man. Yeah, uh, the some of my favorite Disney songs are in this movie. Uh, I do like the uh, when did it come out? Two thousand nineteen, the new live action version. I do too. I do like how. Yeah, I, I like the movie, but I also like how they did fix some stuff, mm. you know, like uh, uh, there was a lot of, I guess you call it whitewashing, even though it's an animated film, but there was cultural whitewashing uh, mm-hmm. for the Aladdin movie. Uh, ha- having said all that, though, man, great music, great characters, great visuals. Yeah, it's a great movie. It has to be my number one. 
Very nice. Uh, Lo, you want to talk about it? I think you had it on your list. Of yeah, two. I mean, really, you hit the nail on the head. It's it's a classic for a reason. It's, you know, yeah. always on people's top animated movies. It's And it's a great wish movie. You get sort of the, the classic be careful what you wish for stuff. It, I, I mean, I guess more just in the sense that Aladdin doesn't know, like, how to wish for something that I think what he actually wants. And, and uh, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's a great movie. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> it is good. It's good stuff. <laughs> it's it's weird whenever you talk about a movie this famous and this yeah. good. It's like it's hard to talk about. Yeah. You're like, uh, I mean, everybody knows it's good, yeah. right? I don't know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lo, what is your number my one? My number one is thirteen going on thirty. I love oh, this movie. It it's so good. Movie. So good. Just and you know, maybe there's something to be said of it came out in 2004 when I was 14, so I was right in that 13, 14-year-old looking forward to being 30 and now I'm 33 and it just it still holds up. It's such a it's such a fun movie. I think it does a good job of looking at both of those kind of uh, stereotypical age groups and you know, showing showing the the kind of romanticism of both of them and uh you know it also has the classic like you've wished for something but what you wanted was there all along and yeah it's and you get Gollum dancing with thriller dance i mean i don't know what else you could want yeah from the movie <laughs> i totally forgot andy circus was in this movie <laughs> or a young mark ruffalo yeah. <clears throat> oh great cast yeah Awesome. I was uh, I was not 14 when this movie came out. Yeah, uh, I was <laughs> I was 29 uh, when this movie came out, and I loved it too. I th- I think this I think this is just a really well done, well done movie, well told story. Um, and Jennifer Garner mm-hmm. is just she's so adorable. I love her so much. Um, so yeah, 13 going on 30 is a great choice. Aaron. Uh, I stretched for my number one. I will admit it, uh, but possibly the most famous line from the movie includes the word wish. Uh, so I'm going with The Princess Bride uh, at number one. Um, so well, that's, that's, that's a stretch. <laughs> it's a good movie, <laughs> but it's yeah. a stretch. But you no, know, you know what? I'm going to give it to you. Just, you know, knock everything down a peg on my list and we'll put princess bride at number one <laughs> but no you're right I, as you wish as you wish uh and you could argue that is the center of this movie is is that line and what it means to their relationship and um so yes not in the same context as most of the other movies we're talking about today but uh any chance i get to to tell people the Princess Bride is one of the greatest movies ever made. I will tell people Princess <laughs> Wait, Bride is what? one of the greatest movies ever made. <laughs> Hot take from Aaron. <laughs> yep. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've talked about it plenty of times. I don't need to go into detail uh, anymore currently. Um, but, man, this is, a, this is just a perfectly cast and executed movie. Uh, and I, I really, really enjoyed it. Also involves uh, reading a book. Um, so really you know, wrap up that storytelling theme is mm-hmm. Aaron is <laughs> is the reason that you've never you don't read anymore is because you don't have uh wait just a second <laughs> if, in order for this joke to work I gotta get the yeah. name right because uh I almost said okay is the reason that you uh, don't ever read anymore is because you don't have Peter Falk reading to your at bedside <laughs> See, it was worth the wait to get to the end of that yes, joke. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, it is. That is exactly why. Um, yeah. If 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 
if granddad would, would come read to me i would be all all set <laughs> um all right let's talk about honorable mentions um there's plenty of movies that involve wishes that we haven't talked about uh low what do you i got? mean disney's entire canon is just full right. of wish let's fulfillment list them, like little mermaid Pinocchio, is a wish enchanted movie. princess and the frog lilo and stitch yep. james and the giant peach Darby O'Gill and the Little People. I went for some deep Thank you. Cuts. I was going to close with Darby O'Gill. Really? Let's go. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a movie I watched a ton as a kid, and it's me too. It is nuts. It is a weird movie. It's but wild, it is. man. Have you gone back oh, yeah. and watched it on just, Disney Plus? Uh, a couple years ago, I went through and I was watching every Disney movie in order, and got to that one. Uh, it's a uh, it's so a fun. weird movie, but it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, you could also throw Brave in there yep, as well yeah. uh, if you're listing Disney movies. Oh, yeah. I, I uh, really feel Pixar, like you could but... you would be listing over half of Disney's movies mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or yeah. form. There's a lot of wish fulfillment in there for sure. Uh, Andrew, what do you got? Uh, just one. The Incredible Mr. Limpet. Oh, <laughs> that's a fun movie. I wish Don I, wish Knotts, I were a right? fish. Have you yep, rewatched it recently? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's been a it's minute. weird. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't Jim Carrey attached to do a, a like a relaunch of that reboot? Heard this. Of that? I've heard this. Like it's that something that it died. Ago, it died off like a while ago. But yeah, yeah. I just have. It's one of those but, movies that like older people in my life really loved it, and I was forced to watch it as a kid. And then I just, it's it's odd. <laughs> it's a sweet. It's just a sweet movie about a guy who wants to be a, uh, fish. a guy Knotts. who wants to I cheat and fun. be with a fish lady. I mean, you know. What's wrong with that? <laughs> Why not? What's wrong with that? Uh, I would also. Lo, did you have any more? No, that was my. I had big okay. on there, which we I already would also about. mention um, Alexander the No Good, Very Bad, Horrible Day. Very I think sweet. is a, a good movie, and it's definitely a wish movie. Freaky Friday, the original Freaky Friday, is really good um, as a wish movie. Uh, Odd Life of Timothy Green. Speaking of Jennifer Garner, um, is is a wish movie. Uh, Into the Woods. Uh, which I enjoyed very, very much. Uh, definitely has wishing in there. And then Ted uh, is also a wish movie. I thought about putting Ted, but then I was like, ah, better not. <laughs> <laughs> there's a guilty pleasure to Ted. Like, there's some funny moments in it, but it's not one I'm gonna, you know, it's, put on my it's list. It's good. Ted is good, guys. I'm not. I'm not like I, I am not a Seth MacFarlane guy. Like, I don't generally connect with his stuff. Ted has a little bit of a heart to it. Um, and is really really funny and it's, it's original necess- it's and it's very original it's not necessarily like the exact humor i usually connect to but i i i think ted is actually a well-made well-made movie so yeah well there you go our best ever wishing films uh that yeah. leaves us with our buried <clears throat> treasures low oh, your yes. guest so you will get to finish us I off forgot we had buried treasures. um i guess i'll i'll kick right. us off do it uh, I wanted to talk about uh, Welcome to Wrexham, uh, which is a docu-series uh, that has started on Paramount+. Plus. Oh, wow. oh, so bad. Is it I out? actually saw it. It's supposed to come out on Hulu I soon. I saw a trailer the first two episodes for this are before out. Three are? Years of Longing last night. Yeah, yeah. So there are two episodes out as we are recording this on Paramount+, Plus, I believe. You said Hulu. FX. I thought it- Oh, yeah, you're right. Nope, you're absolutely right. It is on Hulu. It is absolutely on Hulu. It is an FX on Hulu uh, joint. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely correct. Uh, Rob McKelney and uh, Ryan Reynolds uh, bought a small-town Welsh football team. Um, that would be in the English 
uh, or the rest of the world's <laughs> version of what football is. Uh, so I think Ryan Reynolds is the draw here where it's like, well, I'm going to watch anything where Ryan Reynolds shows shows up because he's so fun to hang out with. Uh, and that goes for Rob uh, McKelney as well, uh, who is in sunny in it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yep. Uh, and also, even more importantly, Mythic Quest, uh, which is a lot of fun uh, on Apple TV+. Plus. You've never seen It's Always Sunny, have you? No, I haven't. I haven't. One of the uh, funny shows ever made. Yeah, I, be- I believe it. Um, but I like him, and I like Ryan. And what I wasn't expecting was to go into this and to immediately con- connect to the sports part of it, to the taking a team in a town that has been down for so long, and it's just like, what are they doing? What is the plan here? How is this all going to shake out? Watching them be like business people and, you know, stars are just like us in many ways, you know, kind of things going on here. Um, I'm just, I'm really enjoying this show over the first uh, two two episodes. And I really don't care about the soccer leagues in you know europe like i'm not a premier league guy or i understand i actually love the concept of promotion and relegation i think that's a really interesting concept in sports mm-hmm. i imagine a world where like the nba has four teams every year that your baseball has four teams every year that goes down to the minor leagues because they didn't play well and four teams come up i love this idea i think this is really interesting paintball so has I, that what's that Paintball has that. Paintball has that. NXL does it, yeah. So does, I think, League of Legends. I think they kind of have relegation and promotion, too, to the different series. Um, So uh, it's done in other sports, but not in kind of the main sports here. And so to see it in, like, the main sport of Europe in how they do this is uh, really interesting. The Wrexham team is in the bottom, 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 like, below the actual levels. There's a fifth level. They're in that level, and they're trying to get, you know, promoted back up to, like, the actual top four levels. Well, Wrexham um, is, like, one of the – is either the oldest or the second oldest team in football history. Right, right. So so they bought it, and yeah. the story of how they they bought it and their ownership and what that means to the team and the town is really interesting. So I'm digging this. I'm also digging the meta nature of it where it's kind of about the documentary in some ways, too, because – the docu- the documentary is a player in all of this, right? Like, you mm-hmm. know, it's it's part of the reason they're doing it is to tell this story. And I'm sure when they had these meetings, they were like, you know what we can do here? We can not only buy a football team, but we can also make this documentary about it and that'll be another part of this business that we can sell and and that's kind of interesting to see how that plays in to the different parts of it. so well, Yeah, because then you have the notoriety of Ryan and uh, Rob buying a, a soccer team. So you're going to get some people who'd never even heard of Wrexham buying merch, you know, mm-hmm. you know, buying tickets to go see games. You know, it's a smart move. I'm not going to lie. It's a smart move. Another fun thing is I heard Rob and Ryan had never met nor spoken to each other before they did this. Correct. This documentary captures their first in-person meeting. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. This is going to be exciting. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, and, and you can tell that Rob is the driving force here. Rob is mm. the vision here. Ryan is kind of the money come alongside, you know, uh, help. And they even talk about this in the documentary uh, a little bit that they are kind of 
uh, online friends just through different things that have happened, but they'd never met before. And so he reached out to Ryan about this and, and they decided to do it together. So, um, it's it's really fascinating. I'm really enjoying it. So yeah, it's a big recommend for me uh, on uh, Hulu. Uh, welcome to Wrexham. Man, between this and Ted Lasso, Americans are taking over soccer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does have. It does feel very uh, Ted Lasso in some ways. Um, kind of the real life uh, Ted Lassoing of a club. So so yeah. Uh, nice. Andrew, what do you got? Well. Aaron, you're not going to be interested because I'm talking about a comic book and you'll have to read. So. <laughs> but there's pretty pictures. So there are very pretty, look pictures. At the pretty pictures. There you go. Um, I'm going to go with a series that came out uh, either last year or the beginning of this year. Uh, it's a Marvel series called The King in Black. Mm-hmm. Pretty much <clears throat> what this is is uh, it's, about, it's about the symbiotes. You know, like Venom, Carnage, Toxin, all of them. Uh Giving you a little bit of back history here. The original uh, creator of the symbiotes is named Null. He's the king in black. He was around before time. Uh, pretty much when the Celestials started making the universe, he was the darkness. And he fought the Celestials. Actually, fun fact, the Necro sword that we see in Thor Love and Thunder, that's his sword. So that's why it's so powerful. Yeah. Uh, so basically, this is uh, the King in Black finding out that, you know, the symbiotes are, you know, turning good and stuff on Earth. So he attacks Earth, and he is one of the most powerful, uh, like, villains in Marvel. Like, totally. Like, he's, like, top three. And where the story goes, uh, I've talked about it before on the show, but uh, how Venom is used and how uh, Carnage is used and, like, it's a really fun concept that people like me reading comics, one of the biggest things that we love to do is like, well, how powerful are they? You know, and then you'll start doing tier rankings and stuff. So like something the fun that this one does is it kind of works its way up the ranks with like who Null is fighting, like a uh, Thor and Hy- uh, Hyperion and uh, just a whole bunch of crazy people. Uh, yeah, it's a fun it's a fun little uh, story arc that uh, Marvel goes down, and that's coming from a DC guy. You know, I'm throwing some I'm throwing some props across the alley. So there you go, King in Black. What do you got? Lou? I got a little show that you might have heard of called Dairy Girls. Uh, yeah. Season three. Speaking of across yeah, the pond, season three is meant to be coming to Netflix very soon. I have not yet watched season three. My husband did, but I'm waiting for it to come to Netflix. But it is, um, if you haven't heard of it, it is a show that takes place in the, I think, like, late 80s, early 90s. It might be mostly just the 90s. Um, about a group of teens living in Derry, which is a city in Northern Ireland. And if you know anything about that area, that was a very tumultuous time. Um, but it really doesn't focus too much on that. That's more the background. It's just a classic, like, you know, sort of nostalgic teen comedy um that's just dealing with all the things that the teens of that time period in that in that place would be dealing with um it's a bunch of girls and one guy that go to an all-girls school except for that one guy um and yeah hilarity ensues it's very funny um one of the stars uh has made the transition to um she plays penelope on bridgerton if you've watched that at all 
okay. yeah, it's a it's a really funny. It's not it's not a huge thing to bite off too. So if anybody is looking to watch it, it's uh, only like fifteen episodes, something like that. So for three seasons. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I'm a little disappointed because I'd never heard of it before. When you said Dairy Girls, I thought that it was going to be about farm life. <laughs> no, no, it's like 90s kind of like lower middle class life. Ireland. <laughs> yeah, in Ireland. That was like a like a milkmaid yeah. show, like, you know, from the, oh, just, the Christmas you know, song. Yeah, f- farm life can be hard. And what if this was like the first all female owned and operated you know dairy farm you know <laughs> yeah that, i thought it was to gonna watch. be uh about a group of women who took over the local dairy queen uh, mm. and, and uh, oh like there's a dairy queen and then underneath her the dairy the girls dairy girls <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah 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 exactly Fascinating. Ah, well, there you go. Dairy Girls uh, is on Netflix. The King in Black is a Marvel comic, and Welcome to Wrexham is on Hulu. Uh, we did it, guys. Woo! We managed to Proud cast of you. some pod. Uh, well done. It's it's legal in twenty states now to cast <laughs> pod. Uh, I've heard. <laughs> Uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Sif Pop is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Thank you, buddy. Big thanks to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show. Thanks, Phil. And thank you to Lo for hanging out again Whee! today. Love Continuing you, Lo. Continuing my streak of uh, talking we're... about traumatic birth stories. <laughs> Although this time it was just on the free show, so... <laughs> That's right. It was the pre-show where we talked about the traumatic birth. We got to get another somewhere, know. you know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a staple. Uh, Low. Where do you want people to find you? Uh, online? Twitter would be the best place. At the curious low, all one word. At the curious low on Twitter, if you want to check out the other stuff that Low is involved in. Much love and gratitude to our Sif Pop members for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Support starts at $3 a month. You get uh, access to bonus episodes at different levels, all sorts of fun stuff. You can check all that out at patreon.com slash siftpop. Uh, lots of ways to connect with us. You can leave a comment, a rating, or a review at Apple Podcasts uh, or Spotify uh, or wherever you listen. You can also email us, feedback at siftpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show, too. So make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than safely walking across wet stone. We will be back next week uh, with more movies from this really, really sparse uh, August-September calendar. Uh, Samaritan is out right now. I think that's the big one. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't... I. Of the three or four I was considering, I haven't even heard of Samaritan. So, <laughs> it's the new um, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone movie. We'll see. We'll, we'll Who pick, knows? We'll pick, a, we'll pick a couple movies to talk about. And we'll catch you next week. Love y'all. Bye. Bye. Bye.